What's up, everybody? This is Tanner from TamanBaseballFan.com. This is, I guess, a, a special after-hours edition. Um, it's past midnight here, uh, getting a late start on my uh, on my walk because of uh, October. We're taking turns, and I think I talked about the that on my podcast uh, about an episode or two ago. But, anyways, um, it's been fun, but it's just very, very um, difficult to squeeze in walks and exercising that sort of thing so <laughs> with everything else we have going on so plus we're in the uh finally getting back into the full swing of things after uh all that covid garbage that we had to deal with so i mean just now guys like it's been forever um it seems like so uh but anyways we're uh, we're we're getting back into everything and uh you know so i uh i uh found out some pretty interesting things today which is kind of fun um found out that uh, there's a uh, strong possibility of me being related to Billy Graham and Colonel Sanders. Um, so we, uh, you know, my family, we love Billy Graham and, you know, pretty much everything he stood for. Um, but also uh, my son uh, just loves Colonel Sanders and KFC. So I was able to tell him that, and I said, hey, son, you need to hold your head up high from here on out in life because we are basically royalty. So we have the Ten Commandments and 11 Herbs and Spices. <laughs> so um, kind of fun. Really, uh, really glad to be able to hear that. And plus, on top of that, it's Monday. I mean, Monday's one of my favorites because uh, we get uh, some uh, cheapo Papa John's pizza for... Uh, special at like a $5.99 each which is great so uh yeah all in all pretty great day um now uh those aren't the only things that are crazy that happened today uh, around 11 or so i think uh facebook instagram and whatsapp all crashed they all uh were down for basically the rest of the day um, until about five or so, if I remember correctly. Um, and, uh, you know, so Twitter and Gmail, by the way, also had bouts of shutting down and everything. So, uh, you know, a friend of mine uh, at church told my son that there was going to be a blackout <laughs> uh, today, which I thought was kind of interesting. So uh, I'm going to follow up with her and see... Uh, see what that was about but uh that was kind of fun um to hear and uh yeah interestingly enough it was a much more productive day for some reason without facebook being up <laughs> and uh you know so it's it's kind of a funny thing right because uh you know we all recognize uh social media in general as this time suck and there's a lot of people out there that will go further and say uh that you know, I'm just not happy when I'm on Facebook. And I think there's a lot of people that have expressed this uh, this displeasure with uh, Facebook, for instance, if they keep scrolling and they see all these families on vacations and smiling and they're comparing this impossible uh, ideal that everybody is posting out there to their own family. And it depresses them. And that's a real thing. Um, so... But at the same time, you know, look, if you're, 
if you're anything like most of America, you're probably checking your social uh, like you know dozens and dozens and dozens of times a day. Um, I know I do. Um, I always have Facebook and Twitter open. Um, my wife, on the other hand, she doesn't really get on anything. She's very much so anti-technology for the most part. <laughs> I think she, I think she was born in the wrong century. But, um, but anyways, uh, so with Facebook being down, I was almost kind of rooting for it to be down uh, for a while, which is kind of funny. Um, and when it came back up, I was more like, uh. <laughs> so I'm, uh, I'm known as the as the meme guy um, on Facebook. I've, I share all kinds of memes, um, like all throughout the day. I just. Uh, have fun doing it and um, love getting people's reactions. And, uh, you know, I'm always on Facebook groups of uh, baseball cards and everything. And the thing that um, that I remember, it was it's funny because I was thinking about this. Uh, what would uh, baseball card collecting, mm, sports card collecting in general, I guess, be without social media? I think it would be wildly different. So I wanted to explore that with you all. Uh, tonight um, and just kind of give you some of my thoughts here which I thought was kind of fun and interesting and um, gets us to dig a little more deeply into something that maybe we don't really think about too much because um, we think of the internet right right well there's like different sections of the internet that are wildly different from each other um, so anyways um, yeah so I posted uh, I actually wrote a little article about uh, about a little-known 19th century baseball player. He is, uh, for those that follow 19th century baseball or, or that uh, collect cards from there, they know who this is. Um, he is very much so well-known. He was a giant, in more ways than one, um, in this, uh, in this uh, uh, time period. But the thing is, though, is because so few people that are collectors today uh, no, 19th century. They, for the most part, probably haven't heard of this guy. And I know I never heard of this guy up until about, oh, probably two years ago. I mean, so I've been a baseball fan for as long as I can remember. I never heard of this uh, of this legend. So, uh, Hall of Famer. His name is Tim Keefe. He's got a, at least one book written about him. Um, I have it. I just haven't re uh, read it yet. Um, he, uh, his nicknames were Smiling Tim and Sir Timothy. Uh, he uh, didn't smoke or drink, which was kind of a big deal back then because, uh, you know, that many of the baseball players did. Um, but he was just a, a gentlemanly type. He was uh, a player's advocate. And, uh, you know, his dad was a POW in the Civil War. Think about that. Uh, Keith, by the way, himself was, has, been, has passed away. Uh, he passed away probably close to a century ago. Um, but... Uh, his uh, dad's four brothers, I think, were all killed in the Civil War. So, I mean, we are talking not World War One, not World War Two. When you think of those, you think of like, um, you know, oh, okay, so, uh, you know, Ted Williams and Joe DiMaggio and uh, Willie Mays, I think some other guys uh, served um, in World War Two, right? And then you have World War One. You've got guys like uh, Ty Cobb and. Christy Mathewson, who served uh, for World War I. Um, but, like, this is decades and decades prior. This is the prior century. The Civil War. I mean, you know, we, 
you know, we probably have video footage from World War One and World War Two and all kinds of uh, video and stuff, but what kind of photographs do we have? What kind of video do we have of the Civil War? The answer for video, at least, is none. Um, you know, I don't think they even had video back then. But um, anyway, so that kind of dates it, you know. And uh, uh, Tim Keefe, his, uh, his uh, career, uh, it, you know, kind of expanded over the formative years of baseball, uh, where his first year that he pitched uh, was the last year they had the pitcher's mound uh, that was 45 feet away uh, from home plate. And it then changed to 50 feet. And then his last year was the first year that they had the distance of what we see today, which is 60 feet, six inches. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, he is the second 300 game winner. He did it in 14 seasons. Um, so the first one, first uh, 300 game winner was Pud Galvin, I think. Um, I think it took him a bit longer if I remember correctly, but in any event, um, Tim Keefe uh, was also a member of the powerhouse New York Giants. Uh, in 1888 and 1889, they uh, won back-to-back world championships. And uh, I, I love that, uh, that whole era there because the Giants were amazing. They had Roger Connor, they had John Ward, they had uh, all kinds of just amazing Hall of Famers. And most interesting for me, I think, probably is going to be what happened in, uh, you know, Christmas, uh, winter of uh, 1887. And you've heard me talk about this before. I did a massive article on it, a massive podcast on it. Um, the 1887 California Barnstorming Tour that was headlined by Mike King Kelly. Uh, Tim Keefe, he was in that team, you know, so he was there too. So I showed uh, on YouTube and on Twitter today uh, my book of Tim Keefe as well as the two copies that I have of uh, Tim Keefe uh, uh, cards. I've got in 1888, Alan and Ginter, and in 1888, uh, Goodwin. And the lithography on those two cards is just second to nine. Um, I remember seeing a Goodwin Keefe for sale uh, at auction and uh, like a couple years ago I think I went to like 900 or 1200 and I go oh my gosh what am I doing what why am I paying this much money for a guy that I don't really know about is just because I got googly-eyed about uh, 19th century baseball and uh, thankfully I lost out on it because I think it probably would have uh, soured me a bit um, if I didn't lose out on it so um, you know it's kind of fun to be able to uh, look back and you know, <laughs> be thankful that you missed out on a few of them, right? But um, both the cards are beautiful. Uh, my copies of them are an SGC1 poor condition and a PSA1 poor condition, uh, but they are exactly everything that I want in uh, SGC and, and PSA1s. They have beautiful fronts without any. Uh, wrinkles or you know significant blemishes at all um but the backs have a little bit of damage i think the alan ginner actually has you know by what i'd say uh to be significant back damage but um in any event it was uh something where uh the fronts are what's most important to me that eye appeal 
uh, I will take some back damage any day of the week over a wrinkle or crease or something on the front. So anyways, uh, they are both beautiful cards um, and to the point where people look at them, they go, what? There's no way that these are poor condition. They got the grain companies got wrong. Technically, no, I don't think they did because uh, the because of the back damage. But anyways, um, so I did a video. I, uh, you know, I posted a picture on Twitter and I wrote a little article, put it on my blog. And then I tried to put it on Facebook and it was down. And so I was like, well, that's kind of a bummer. I wanted to be able to place it on a few uh, card collecting groups I have and, and all that. And I wasn't able to. In fact, by the time Facebook was up, I was out the door, uh, you know, grabbing dinner and, uh, you know, dropping off my son uh, at a little game night thing that he had going. So I wasn't able to. And then after, after work, I'm, you know, not really on the computer much to, you know, do anything. So if you see, like, me publishing any um, content, uh, like creating or pushing out any content whatsoever on social media, other than, like, maybe simple memes or something like that, it's going to be during the day. Uh, for me, but anyways, um, so this whole thing, this is why it got me to thinking, what would collecting be like without social media? And I started thinking like, what are all the benefits of that social media brings to the table um, when it comes to collecting? Because I think we think of collecting a lot of times as, uh, you know, you see a card you like, you buy a card you like, and that's it. You know, that's collecting, right? Well. Uh, you know, if we peel back the layers, and there's many of them, uh, you see that this is a much more deep, rich experience uh, than, you know, our predecessors or even our younger selves uh, experienced before social media, heck, before the internet, you know. So one thing that I kept, that I started thinking was uh, just the endless conversations of cards like the speculation hey is this card going to do really well oh what about this uh what do you think about this card um you know showing off what you have uh sharing it with everybody else getting the feedback having them show what they have um all of that is so fun it's richly engaging so what we have when we do this is we have a connection to you know potentially thousands of other uh, collectors uh, very quickly and very easily, might, might I add. Uh, and so what that does is I think that enhances, I know it enhances our uh, hobby experience significantly as opposed to if we, you know, just didn't have anybody talk to about them. Like, because, they, you know, for me, for instance, like I'm known as the baseball card guy locally here in my uh, circles of, you know, friends and family and stuff, but guess what? Uh, 99% or a hundred percent of my friends and family here don't care about cards. I could talk to them about it, but they're just, uh, you know, probably just being polite, uh, listening. <laughs> so, um, and I, I appreciate that, but I also try to, you know, temper how much I, I let out, how much crazy I let out when it comes to baseball cards for them. Um, but uh, which is also another good point. Uh, social media gives us an outlet where we can talk so that way we're it saves our poor wives and children from hearing us drone on and on about you know how 
uh, amazing the T206 Tycom bat off is or whatever, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so anyways, uh, but I think the, the engagement with each other is tremendous. It's absolutely tremendous because um, it allows us to, like I said, have that escape, that outlet, but um, it also keeps things at the forefront of our minds um, because if we're, if I post, and I'll give you an example, uh, tomorrow, or well, no, let me give you an example of what I just posted. What did I just post? Uh, I can't remember what card it was I just posted recently. I don't really have that many vintage. Um, I'll give you an example, I guess, uh, my uh, 1888 Goodwin set. I posted that up, and, uh, you know, it was something that uh, once I posted it, I got a boatload of people just saying, oh, it's incredible, I love this. I remember having a couple cards uh, when I was younger um, like this. Oh, I love that Shoeless Joe Jackson. Hey, if you want to ever sell the, the Black Sox set, let me know, I'm a buyer. Or, oh man, that Babe Ruth is my dream card. You know, and so all those things, as you're, as you're sitting there at your desk or wherever you are, um, you're getting these comments throughout the day, right? And it continually brings up these baseball cards, these these good comments to your uh, to your head, uh, like throughout the day, which kind of keeps the card collecting thing as a whole fresh. But it also makes you feel a little more proud of what you have, I guess you know, and uh, thankful for it, and, and it gets you more excited about certain cards. So another thing that I like to do is obviously. Uh, educate and entertain um so uh my tim keith uh part uh piece is going to go on facebook tomorrow and there might be um you know not too many people engaged in that because uh you know the 19th century stuff doesn't really do nearly as well as far as engagement and comments go as say like babe ruth or ty cobb or something um or the new guys, you know, Mike Trout, King Griffey Jr., that sort of thing. Um, but uh, there's a group of guys that love learning this stuff. And so I love being able to teach what I've learned. I mean, I'm literally like right in the seat next to you um, when it comes to learning these things by just maybe right along a little further than you have perhaps on certain things. So I love being able to share that stuff of what I've learned because there are a few things that just kind of pop out to me that, you know, kind of gives uh, baseball and card collecting as a whole a uh, whole new dimension to really explore. And, uh, and the more I do, the more I love it. You know, it's, uh, it's fun. So I want to be able to share that with people. So as I'm doing that, as I'm going online, I'm seeing people that are sharing educational stories as well which is fabulous because I get to learn more. Um, I just really, really enjoy that part. So obviously on top of that, um, you know, it's the, uh, it's the speed. Like I can literally, and this is what I did earlier. I took a picture um, of the two Tim Keefe cards with the book and, uh, you know, post it on Facebook or uh, post it on Twitter. It was just so quick like instantaneous and then you could have all kinds of people talking right away like a conversation starts immediately 
and uh, you know it's so fun it's so easy and so another thing is uh, collection building so there's obviously a boatload I mean we're talking probably thousands of quote-unquote collectors that are looking to uh, sell cards and when I say quote-unquote I'm not you know being derogatory because I'm just saying there's a lot of flippers out there uh, but flippers and collectors alike uh, sell a lot of cards which is understandable um, and they use social media as that platform so it's kind of fun because you'll see these cards before uh, they ever hit eBay because it's just much easier to post on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram you know um, so the fun part for me is as you build uh, a community as you build relationships and uh, identify yourself as the person to go to for whatever you want uh, specifically in in collecting like let's say you want to build this fabulous Houston Astros uh, super fractor collection or something um, the more people know of you and of course you want to be able to add value to the community as well um, that will help people like you, <laughs> you know, instead of being a jerk or whatever. But, uh, <laughs> um, but anyways, you, uh, you'll get what's called tags and people start tagging you in cards for sale, uh, that might, you know, hit kind of what you want. And so I've been fortunate to be, uh, let me say it again. I've been super fortunate to be the recipient of this kind of treatment for years now whenever a rare Conseco comes up. And uh, it has been awesome, guys. Like, I just, that's the coolest thing. I think that's probably one of the things that I was worried about the most when I sold out in 2018 because I was just like, oh man, like, I feel like I'm laying some people down, uh, you know, kind of walking away from this. And it just makes me feel good that people, uh, uh, you know, care enough to tag me on things. Uh, like Conseco cards are rare and stuff, you know, and, and sometimes like vintage stuff that's like down my, that's like right in my uh, uh, wheelhouse, you know. And so, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to lose that. And so I've been very fortunate to uh, still have a lot of people tagging me on things, uh, I guess, because the word's out that I've, you know, picked up more Conseco stuff and everything. And, you know, I'm, I'm collecting uh, him again and everything, but I went through really rare stuff. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just another piece of the social media puzzle. So as we step back and we look at all the pieces that we've talked about, you have a wildly different experience collecting than you would without social media. You know, there's, uh, I think above all, um, the amount of brain power that we devote to this hobby would go drastically down because it's not always in our face. Um, and, uh, you know, I was thinking about this also. Aside from the uh, countless Conseco cards that are just, like, amazing that I've picked up through social media thanks to the uh, just kind-hearted folks that, you know, that think about me and, uh, you know, tag me in these things, there's even some vintage, some of my biggest scores even, uh, I've picked up through social media. You know, I'll talk about a couple of those. Uh, there is a, uh, a big-time Christy Mathewson collector. Uh, his name is Robert, and I think he's uh, kind of sold out of uh, much of many of his cards. 
uh, recently, but uh, he saw online where somebody was selling a 1915 Cracker Jack Ty Cobb and Sheila Joe Jackson. Uh, he alerted me to them and my gosh, my jaw dropped. Uh, the, they're like two of the most iconic cards in baseball card history. And this is like probably, probably a year and a half ago now. Um, and I was able to do, do a deal uh, for them where I, you know, if, if Robert didn't point them out to me, there's no way I would have seen these. And really, really super, I'm, I'm just excited that I have them still even, you know, like I, <laughs> it's been a year and a half and I love them. You know, they're so great of cards. Um, and, you know, if social media didn't exist, I probably wouldn't have seen them. Um, another one, which is kind of fun, is my Honest Wagner rookie, the 1899 M101-1. Uh, sporting life, sporting, sporting news, sporting life. Um, I don't recall which one, um, but anyway, so it's uh, it's an amazing piece. Obviously, uh, it predates the T206 Wagner by a decade, and it is wildly rarer than the T206 Wagner. So it's kind of like my uh, I call it almost like my wild card because you never know what something that, like that would go for on an open auction. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's something that some people had said, man, this is easily a six-figure uh, piece. There's no way it wouldn't, and, you know, in today's market. And I just don't know. I don't know what it would bring these days, to be honest with you. But uh, uh, it really is a super special piece. And so uh, as I was scrolling on Facebook, I remembered seeing it for the first time. And I go, wow, like my everything just I just my heart just jumped out of my chest just to see that this existed and you know for me like I had just gotten into being interested in uh, 1909 to 1913 M101-2s uh, and I've got a Shields Joe Jackson that had a Ty Cobb on Wagner 1909 World Series uh, version of that and a Walter Johnson Gabby Street they're my three favorites in the set. I love them. And I uh, caught wind of there being a Napoleon Lajouet uh, M11-1 from 1899. That would be his rookie, if I remember correctly. And I remember just thinking, oh man, could you imagine even seeing one of those uh, for sale at some point? Like, super rare, but how cool would that be to have something like that? And, you know, for me, like the M11-1s are just incredible and they're ridiculously rare um and then so i'm scrolling down facebook i see an 1899 m101-1 not of napoleon lajway but of honest wagner like like i said i'm just thinking look this piece absolutely deserves uh to be in a museum there's just no no way around it you know and so uh i reach out to the guy i go hey i gotta ask i mean it's kind of out of nowhere, but are you uh, interested in selling that Wagner? And he said he was. So for about a week, we went back and forth, and we ended up doing a deal. And I just couldn't, I, I was beside myself. Um, I w would not have even seen that had it not been for social media. <laughs> Again, you know, it's, uh, it's amazing. So another one 
is doing a trade for a 52 tops mantle at some point and getting a t206 cob green um you know background it's there's so many i don't have the mantle anymore i'll i'll tell you more about that later at some point i'm sure but uh but my goodness gracious uh there's so much that has uh enhanced my collection and my entire hobby experience not just my collection but zooming out a little bit and saying my entire hobby experience because of social media. So I couldn't imagine like just there not being a social media. And you know, so I'm, you'd be stuck to the forums, of course. So I probably would be on forums a lot, but there's just something about that speed, like of conversation, like it's wildly different. And it makes me wonder what the next iteration is going to be. Um, of this you know i mean i don't know i think it's uh i think it's fun to kind of just uh think about how this hobby has progressed um with all the different technologies that have been introduced over the years and i think that that social media has definitely uh, allowed this hobby to garner more attention because we are creatures of uh instant satisfaction we want what we want right now and that's what social media does for us. We can see a limitless supply of cards for sale. We can ask questions. We can post what we have and share. And we can get that instant gratification of, you know, fairly instant feedback, which is great. Um, you know, so it's been fun. Um, it's been really fun. But anyways, it's, it's kind of neat to, you know, think through that. But I'm very thankful for social media. I do know that it can, you know, kind of get out of hand. Uh, from time to time, but, um, but no, just, uh, you know, enjoy it, you know, have fun with it and don't obviously let it, you know, kind of suck too much time out of your life because <laughs> we have things that are much more important than, uh, social media and, and the hobby and everything for sure. Um, you know, so, but, but it's, uh, it's been fun to kind of step back and like kind of see all the different dimensions that this hobby now has because of it. So, um, I think a lot of it all comes back down to community. You know, we have this amazing community and we love engaging with each other. So, anyways, that is all for now. So, thank you for listening to this again after hours special edition of uh, my podcast. And I uh, hope you all have a great day.